Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, November 17th, 2021, and this is episode 185, and we've got another amazing interview to share with you today. Episode 185 features one of my favorite DJ producers in the game who has one of the best taglines. You already know what time it is. That was my best Russian I could possibly do. He goes by the name of Binge Watch. This was such a fun interview, and I had a blast getting Art's full story in this one. In episode 185, we got it all in and started by talking about how he became Binge Watch. Born and raised in Russia, Binge Watch was exposed to electronic music at a very young age and has been hooked ever since. He eventually went to college in the United States and studied music theory until he started pursuing music as more than a passion. His first project, Deaf Mind, was focused around dubstep and he actually had a ton of success. However, he saw the potential for a new lane in house music and Binge Watch was born. Of course, we talked about the Binge Watch discography. Although the Binge Watch project is only a few years old, he's already had massive success as a producer. We talked about how some of his biggest tracks came together like Be Your Lover with Freak On via Sink or Swim, Happy Thug via The Prescription, which is now House Call Records, shout out Dr. Fretch, and of course, we talked about his nine-track hood politics record discography that is dense. He's truly a special producer. Throughout the interview, we also talked about his production style. Binge Watch has absolutely no rules when it comes to producing. In fact, he said he blew out his computer speakers recently trying to test the levels, but it's all part of his game. He gave us the inside scoop on how he comes up with new tracks and his process when collaborating with other producers. I'll let Gallo and Freak on tell you if it works or not. <laughs> Binge Watch is easily one of the most eccentric and hilarious people I've ever met and his pure passion for fun and creativity is inspiring. He does so much for the scene internally and externally. Shout out to Blind Tiger, who's now doing shows every single Tuesday with Space Yacht at Sound Nightclub through February. Yes, that's a good promo right there. I'm telling you, he's someone that's gonna go far. Binge, I think I now know what time it is. Let's get into it right now so you guys can hear his story for yourselves. This is episode 185 with Binge Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm here with my man, Art, a.k.a. Binge Watch. Binge, living the American dream out there in Los Angeles. How the hell are you? Hey, you already know what time it is. We're doing great. Can't complain about a thing. Just a little tired, but only from the favorite thing that I get to do. So That's right, man. It's worth it. it. There are those little moments where you're like, I'm so fucking tired. Am I doing the right thing right now? And you're like, I'm tired because during that moment when I was giving it my all, I would rather do nothing else. You know what I mean? Exactly. It always, yeah, it's a good reminder to me every time. I always, when I start getting upset, um, I haven't been doing this in a while, but I used to say, uh, I would be like, what would an 18 year old art think of you right now? And he would be like, you're being so grumpy. You're living the best <laughs> life, everything you wanted to do when you're a kid. And yep. you're being here in your head. 
so yeah i try to try and get out i mean it's it's easy to get in your head when uh you know you're working hard and trying to push push it who's in the industry and you know it's art uh that you're creating so it's sometimes you put in more time into something that doesn't necessarily return as much and sometimes yeah. you do something and it has bigger return so it's sometimes sometimes it's easy and fun and then other times it's hard and frustrating but you yeah. know you gotta struggle through all of these different kind of waves of it and it's enjoy true. it all in a sense yeah one thing that's made me a little more uh, immune to all the ups and downs is sharing sort of the ups and downs with people like you you know, like the community, especially the house music community, um, there's like a layer to it, right? Like before, when you don't know anybody, you're like, how do I, how do, how do I meet those guys? How do I know them? And then you realize you're just one handshake away a lot of the time. And once you kind of on like that one level above that you were always really just one handshake away, so much better, man. Connecting with Gallo, you, Susan, Nutty, all the hood politics crew, you know, freak on everybody and like feeling like I can genuinely call someone a friend outside of it just being a music relationship is so fulfilling. And that's what excites me about the future. Yeah, it's been great community. You just in general coming up and creating and everybody linking right now. But yeah, like you said, the Hoodpol in San Diego, us in LA, mm -hmm. the Florida boys, you guys yep. in Chicago. Yep. I got homies in Arizona that that brought me out. Um, we're you know everybody is su supporting each other and nobody is really nobody's too big or too small in a sense. So everybody is working hard and doing dope music and it's been and supporting each other. So it's been so much fun. I'm, yeah, I can't complain. The Space Yacht guys been supporting us as well here in LA. So that's been huge and insomniac so it's kind of coming full circle finally where our whole little layer is getting recognized within yeah. the official electronic music community and that feels great yeah and it should feel great man and that's why i'm so excited to talk to you today and really get your full story because i know how interesting interesting of a guy you are and we had done a few hood politics interviews uh with Susan before and I was like I gotta talk to Art without Susan because we all know Susan's ADD controls the whole room sometimes <laughs> yes Susan's, uh, we love Susan. you Steven but sometimes I'm trying to talk to Art without you saying you know god knows what oh <laughs> uh, I love Susan I just say you already know what time it is and he freaks I'm out <laughs> Because you get by your whole life saying one phrase. <laughs> <laughs> he cracks me up, dude. He fucking cracks me up. Oh he is yeah, when I met him, yeah, yeah. right away became such great friends. It was there was yeah. no way back. He's so great. And I know. Oh my God, yeah. We're get, such we're a big energy. And I, at first I was like, is this guy for us? Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes you'll meet people at a party and that's kind of, I, don't, I think we we probably met at a party. Most likely, we were they were about to DJ somewhere or a pre-party to to about to go DJ somewhere, um, and he was you know his energy just his irregular energy the way you described it was so high where I was like sometimes you'll meet people and they're on the high because it's party time and then yeah, you yeah, meet yeah. them the next day and they're like normal they're like 
yeah, yeah, just going about my day. But then they are at the party, they're like that again. <laughs> and I was like, and I thought that that was just his moment like that, where he's like, oh, I'm having a good time. It's cool, you know, we're his friends. 24-7. No, this guy is nonstop, 7 a.m. <laughs> Bitch, let's go! <laughs> so funny, I love him. Like, his energy is he's always makes me happy. Yeah, he's actually, he's the one who got me out of my head so many times. The, the little the little moments when I've had frustration with music industry or how things are going, he's always, you can always call Susan and he'll cheer you up and remind you to check yourself. So true, man. So true. And you've given so much to Hood Politics too. I mean, he's mentioned that you are like, you're like Mr. Hood Poly binge. I think you've released, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but you've released nine tracks on Hood Politics, dude. Like you like yes so yeah that's my I guess some people think I'm exclusive with good politics <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad thing yeah no no I get demos they let, people will be sending me good demos for good politics wow <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'll be like yeah just shoot it over to Suze and I'll link you guys and I'll tell him you're good to go mm. <laughs> but yeah it's been. It's been nice being part of the family and just bringing other people into the family and just Nighty and Peyton are great. Also, more and friends. Of uh, course. Yeah, been just love all of them and it's been great and easy. And yeah, yeah honestly, I, I just don't, with the demos and stuff, I, I've been doing these demos for since I was, I'm 30 years old now and I've been sending demos out since 17 years old and sometimes it starts taking the direction of your sound where you you know a certain label is popular and in order for if you're doing this whole like building your career on like i'm a i'm a tap in into the whole tech house scene and right. now i'm gonna do uh you know start building with little smaller labels and then pick up bigger labels and just do one release or like maybe one, two. And then you're kind of climbing, trying to get to the repopulate Mars and the yeah. fast and whatever, all of those. And it, it's a great game to play. And I love it. But for me, sometimes I notice that I'm like, do I like that kind of stuff that I'm making right now? Because I'm trying to get to the certain. And that, and that happened even before I started Binge Watch. Yeah. When I was doing my previous project. And I, and I was realizing. And certain people would even like sign my song and it would do really well. And then they would be like, hey, send us more. And mm. I would send them something. And they're like, no, no, no. Send us more like the one before. And I'm like, I'm like I don't. Come on. I'm, I, I'm, I'm moving on. Yeah. I'm making, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to remake the same track over and over. So with the Hood Politics, uh, once, you know, we all became friends and Susan signed a couple of my first tracks, he literally just was over at my house, like, and signed a, a, an Ableton project. It wasn't even like a demo. <laughs> <laughs> I was just showing him stuff I'm working on. <laughs> And he's like, okay, yeah, sign in this. Come on, finish this up. Didn't even have full arrangement done, probably. <laughs> I think it was the bank song, or I know, never come home, never come home. That song, I remember yes. that. One. It was just an idea. Wow. So once we got the ball rolling, and then eventually we have such a um, close friendship and relationship that uh, instead of me being, I'll make songs that I like. 
and I'm I'm gonna be like, oh my god, I'm gonna send it to these guys right now, and they're gonna be like, this is sick, but switch out the club, and the hi hat is a little too loud, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, I ain't got time for this shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I get up with Susan, and then I'm just I'm like, yo. Okay, next month, when, 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 which, which week can I drop the track? He's yep. like, which track? I'm like, I, I was like, I got a couple. I was like, I already know which one. So sometimes, like for um, for the previous one, I, I'm pretty sure I just locked in the date. I didn't even send him the demos. So it's for we had, it's that kind of easy relationship. Wow, for me, that's awesome. I can just think that when I, I can put out what I like and they you know they trust me with my sound obviously i'll send them a couple options and susan's been curating for sure and he's picked out most of these songs yeah but it's not like a back and forth where like oh like you know these are these are not good keep sending like i'm i'm like okay i need to get this out like let's go so I love it. And yeah, thinking, you know, eventually will the Blind Tiger is going to end up being a record label of its own. So it's going to be, for me, uh, another way to just roll out tracks besides doing Heavenhood Politics without. And then I think it will allow me to finally have like a consistent release schedule where yeah, smart. I can make something and put it out in a month or two. But right now, everything that's coming out, I made like a year and a half ago. Because oh. by the time I've played it out five times and then yeah. adjusted it, like I had a guy come up to me yesterday at the mm-hmm. show and he was like, I didn't know that Warehouse Show came out with politics. I was trying to find it for like a year. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's because I was playing it for a year. <laughs> it just wasn't out. Holy and nobody shit. couldn't spam it or anything. So it's like with all these songs, it's like, um yeah i've had them for so long the ones that are out right now some of them i made pre-corona the and so i want to create more of a consistent release schedule where i'm like okay you know i'm making something and i'm releasing i'm not like overthinking i'm I'm just documenting my creation process creative process and i'm not really yeah you know you feel like if if a label wants and it's a it's it's an easy thing and somebody yeah. is with me and is like uh, I, I I've been meeting a bunch of cool ARs just from doing shows and stuff and they mm-hmm. all hear my demos and that I play out and a lot of them's been asking and that's actually I've been meaning to sit down for another month right now right. and finish up all these kind of demos and send them out to these people that's have asked for demos recently right but in the past three four months i haven't i've just been making ideas and play them out play them out play them out do you feel like art like and that something you said there like the music that you're releasing you made a year ago if not more don't you think the producer's ear and this is something i'm trying to explain to people that aren't producers when you release a song it sounds a little different and you kind of learn from the feedback there before you actually release it right like if it just sits in the vault sounds the same as when you're listening to it but then when it's out and you hit play on spotify or you play it in a club you're like i know what i can do better next time exactly no it's sometimes it's also the other way around sometimes i'll be oh. like working on these tracks for me it's actually the opposite because by the time really? I'm out, yeah i'm like by the time that everything got done 
I've made it so long ago that I have to open the project from a year ago <laughs> to finish the mix down. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, this shit. And I'm like, <laughs> and by the time I sent this demo in, I'm already frustrated because I'm all, always, I'm trying with the mix downs. Sometimes I don't even like doing these mix downs because I just overdo it. And so yeah. sometimes the original demo that I do, I like how it sounds better than even what I, and sometimes I'll spend two, three days mixing the track and then still submit the old version. And I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, lost the project file. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just use this. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, dude. <laughs> but yeah, but then by the time it's out, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to want to hear this shit anymore. And then like, a time goes around, and then people give me good feedback, and I'll have like, I, uh, you know, somebody will be like, oh, that song is sick, and I'm like, oh, yeah. and I listen back, and I'm like, oh, this is actually, I was like, and the mix is not bad either. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dude, it just takes time. Just also sometimes. relative, you know what I mean? Yeah, before before we went live, you were talking about like you have blown the speakers out on your Mac that you're currently on right now, and yeah, you just bass music. Yeah, exactly. And you get used to you just kind of get used to it and how you hear it in different environments too. That's why I thought creating during the pandemic or really during lockdown was interesting. Like we heard a lot of new types of house that are still probably yet to come out. Like you said, some pre-corona shit. Right, like people were getting oh, creative yeah. in so many different. I mean, ways. It also, I think it helps house music a lot more because yeah, the bass music and the heavier styles of music are a lot more. Um, they're a lot more big festival kind of vibe when you go and you experience with the whole visual experience. You're not gonna be sitting at home unless it's like your favorite act that you're excited to see their visuals and everything, and it's really right. highly curated. Like uh, res or something. Stream. Yeah, where you get together with your friends, you put it on Dolby Surround and you have that. Exp During Corona, people would do watch all these streams. Yeah. And I feel like the house music was just easy streaming and easy listening for people, whether yeah. you're by yourself yeah. or with a couple of friends. Uh, it's, it's, it's more of a background, easier to play in the background than a lot of the bass and uh, not, you know... People play in the background like lo-fi stuff. They yeah. play in, in terms of half tempo. They play like liquid drum and bass. Mm -hmm. if they're just vibing out and it's a slow day. I mean, some some super fans of certain genres definitely will go hard dubstep all day when they're cleaning <laughs> their kitchen. Right. But generally speaking, I feel like for like even how to say like if, if you're having a gathering of like five people you know what i mean yeah. it already will be like most likely most people will want background music because they want to talk and chat and it's not like an experience where you're sitting and letting the whole music take I over know exactly and i think it helps to put the house music on the forefront because right. it's, it's cool to dj and it's a lot more djable than the lo-fi stuff and all that yeah. other it's more like so i feel For like sure. it really helped put it on the forefront yeah it did and it's it's obvious to see now in festival lineups as well you know of course so many things about uh diversity and and you know sexualization and and gender preference on lineup stuff right that's come to the forefront and even though it's slowly slowly changing and i know you're a big proponent of this 
all female lineups that you do with Blind Tiger as well. And I mean, I've seen you book all different types of genres. We both know where house music came from, Chicago, you know, lower income areas, right? That are that are usually colored to a certain extent, right? And yeah, I mean, it's all over for me, all over the world. I mean, it's world music. It's crazy. House exactly, music. It's global. You, exactly, man. You took the words out of my mouth. Love it. Yeah, I can't even. Uh, the, once you start trying to figure even out this whole history, where exactly it started and what exactly influenced what, it, it's so crazy. It's just, I mean, it's, it's like so intertwined. And that's actually the cool thing about it, why it's also having a resurgence right now, because mm-hmm. the house view, music is now vintage and cool. Yes, when, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> It's like when trance happened and I think it's been like, it was, it was a big, what, what year was it? 2007, eight, before, yeah. right before Skrillex. Like oh, when yeah. Dark Sauce happened and all that stuff. Army Van Buren, very Tiesto early days. Pool. We don't speak Americano and <laughs> that, that and the Dirty Bird becoming a West Coast thing. In yep. America specifically during yep. that era, it became so big. And then it kind of became sort of cheesy when these other sounds came in. They were all like, we are cool and we are very <laughs> with the Skrillex and stuff. Yep. And then I feel like now it's it's been long enough and all the kids that grew up with the crazy sounds, they've been going to festivals and now they're exploring all these like, side stages and all like you and i and they're learning their history and now the house music is now cool and having like exactly man look at the the festival lineups like vocal stuff that's so big again right now like during the times when cascade and dead mouse were doing i remember and those songs they were like uh, i feel like it's kind it's like come full circle and even in the bass music it's the same as it was back then because it was yeah it called glitch hop it was glitch hop dubstep and glitch hop and glitch hop tempo bass music and now it's basically then trap happened and now the experimental bass is basically glitch hop but with trap drums (laughs) and drum and bass reese yeah or like or a mix of of the two and like and rap and like and uk grime as well yeah like it was early back then when dubstep was just happening and it was all mixing all together and so it's bass literally is huge so too right weird. now but 12 years it's like a decade i don't know i don't know if it's like every decade it goes around like that and even with the hip-hop you know what i mean where it goes very ignorant hip hop becomes super popular and then becomes super conscious and all these people it's cool and then the conscious hip hop is not cool anymore and it's like it's like a swing every time and once one takes over it just becomes too much and people are like oh my god I can't with this anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's so true man and I, I've had this discussion many a times I agree with you I think our generation right now we did the Skrillex, the big room, the dubstep, the rhythm, right? We still love the music and we started exploring more. And we realized that you can go to these festivals, these shows, these after parties, these day parties all day and dance and not jump and fucking crack your neck. You know what I mean? And, and that's house music. That's tech house music. That's minimal. And that's why I think it's, it's so big right now. 
Yeah, and I yeah, you can just go for so long and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, I think yeah, it's and the big. I think now festivals. Somebody was saying that in some interview that I listened to, but they were like, they're one of those old school house DJs, mm-hmm. and somebody was like questioning them about the big acts and the big EDM festivals and if it's frustrating to them that those are the big acts that are getting booked now and, and whatnot. Right. And that, that person was, I can't pinpoint who it was, but they were like, honestly, I am actually really thankful for that resurgence because now these festivals are becoming so big and they're bringing all these people together and mm-hmm. now we get to now do these cool underground stages and side stages and I don't really care to be on that big main stage. I want to do the cool underground side stage and I'm really listen. happy that, and I'm thankful to these people for creating this infrastructure yeah. like to, to have that ability, you know what I mean? To have 20 different stages and 20 different styles for people to be able to go experience all these different moods. For sure. And yeah, um, as Insomniac has been so amazing at doing these kind of experiences. And yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, but, I mean, since I was a kid, well, a kid, how old? When did I go to the first Insomniac? Well, even when I didn't go, I would see them like, yeah. as a kid, I guess, and be like, oh my God, this is crazy. But yeah. For Once sure. I got to go, it's just like, wow, this is like a full-on city experience, like a, a immer- immersive. Yeah. And you get to really live within the different genres and see and experience how it, all they all kind of, they're all different, but they're all together at the same time. Right, you know, right. Yeah. And I, I don't think anybody is is not aware you're, obviously are from Russia and you, I know you grew up in Portland, right? Like the prequel to binge watch that you kind of brought it up a little bit. Cause binge watch is a three-year-old project now, two years old. Uh, I think two years old now. So what was, I mean, what, what was that timeline from, you know, like, so you were born in Russia, you moved to Portland, right? What was the I timeline? Was born until you became... I grew up, I went to high school, uh, graduated from school there. Yeah. And then I went to go to college in Portland. Okay, gotcha. And were you doing so music I, then? Um, I was just starting to get, I mean, I was always uh, into music and like mu- just curating stuff. And yeah. I was a skateboarder, so I was listening to all different styles. And I would, uh, uh, I had like my, I would constantly listen to music because I would skate like eight hours a day. Wow. So I would curate all my playlists and I would have different and I was listening to electronic music since yeah. like 11 years old like the like cool European stuff because my my best friend's brother was a DJ in an underground techno club so <laughs> I was getting these like underground records when I was 12 like Roman mm-hmm. Salzger, Oliver Kaletsky um wow just all these just all these like it was mainly German shit. It was like German electro. I yeah. feel like it was more electro, mm-hmm. if I would describe it. And then also, then his progression was my brother's friend. Yeah. Um, they're actually sick. I think they're still on SoundCloud. And if anybody wants to go check it out, the Guzalos and my other friend now goes, the younger brother, they collaborated together and did a bunch of stuff. And the younger brother goes by Atwa now. 
ATWA, him and I have a collab that's going to come out sometimes. But Fuck yeah. I've been playing it a bunch. But basically his older brother was like playing in clubs and he was doing house and techno and he's still doing that stuff. Um, and we were just kind of on the sidelines hanging out and would pick up on certain things. Right. Um, and yeah, his progression was like from harder electro and techno into more minimal underground. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like high energy, minimal tech. It was more like minimal, deep techno, underground, experimental kind of shit. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does enough. <laughs> but it was more like... It wasn't as groovy, you know, minimal. It was more like very, it was like techno minimal. Yeah. Almost like Boris Brecha, uh, but like less, less melodic. But that, that quality to the drums and that kind of, you know, not, not very too much description. Swing. Yeah. I, I actually know exactly what you're talking about now. That was a perfect description. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a lot of stuff like that. And at the same time, I was listening to like New Order and like rock bands like the strokes mm-hmm. and like the cooks and the rap music so i was literally just listening and then my other friend was a little bit older than me and he was uh into he got turntables and it was right before a tractor and serato became a thing mm-hmm. and maybe they were already invented but it was like hard to get still yeah. so they were still like and at that point I was probably like already 13, 14 or something. And he must have been like 17. And he would already be able to get into a club and DJ. So he he was like he had the turntables and mm. he was he had them you had to like buy mine, buy like records. And he right. had like a he would like he was from a good well off family, so he was able to afford to buy records and these kids they were running these nights. They were like more, it was like during R&B, hip hop R&B um, <laughs> type of stuff. But um, yeah. what was that? 2005, 2004, 2005. And yeah. they were doing that stuff. And so they started booking him to play in a club. And so he became like an actual club DJ. Mm. And I would also be basically a friend with a hip hop club dj who then who was giving me like all these um documentaries about like dj shadow and like scratch all the way um scratch all the way in la and all these like hip-hop sampling documentaries about like dilated peoples and all these like old school hip-hop hip-hop slash you know the hip-hop bands that would have a dj like yeah part yeah of band for sure and the deal Right. Um, and just even watching um, In Tune and On Time, which is one of DJ Shadow's like sickest performances with like visuals. Oh, yeah, that's come up. It's like he's doing, he's like got the two turntables. And so I was getting exposed to all of these things simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the Russian radio, now listening back to these, like when was it? Maybe right before Corona, like a year before Corona. Yeah my dad threw a birthday party in Portland and I happened to be there mm-hmm. and my parents made me DJ the party and it was like they're all Russian friends <laughs> so I went, and I had to like go back into my memory lane and like curate an old school playlist and it was the funniest thing to DJ this party because wow, like, they probably went hard <laughs> I went hard but I started downloading all these like Russian pop songs from the 90s that I grew up on and I'm like 
And when, as a kid, I just remembered the vocals. I never remembered the instrumental. And now I'm listening, I'm like, oh, this is like progressive house. So all of this stuff that I grew up on, <laughs> that was like fashion stuff, mm. it's all basically like trancy, progressive house. A lot of it is like, there's a lot of hip hop ones too that were like that, but there's a lot of four on the floor vibe going on in general, yeah. just dance music kind of. Like, and it's kind of, I feel like a lot of pop music in, in Europe in general is very, is dance and four on the floor. Yeah, it's, definitely. Uh, and what else? But yeah, and then I kind of want to, and then around that time, like 16, uh, well, 17, 18, I start. I was moving to America yeah. to go to college. And so I was, I basically left my entire friend group in Russia and I was all, I, you know, I just took all this music and all these videos and it was like early internet times. It was just like, I didn't even know about Facebook. I like found out there was like, yeah. cause I was straight off, off the boat. I didn't even <laughs> figure out what like, I maybe heard of the Facebook, you know what I mean? Did you speak good English at this time? Um, I could get by. I was like, wow. Um, I've, I've traveled. Uh, my parents sent me over to like learn English across uh, like for a summer in England once and okay. they stay in the whole family and then I went two summers I went to this country called Malta yeah where their second official language is English and it was like a fully immersive program so I was decent like you could drop me off in a different country and I could get anywhere buy things but I couldn't sit down and have like an in-depth conversation about my life with you present tense you could do I know what you it mean. was more like wow how much is this where do I go uh, <laughs> How do I watch a movie? Like it was very simple, conversational. Like get by, get your basic needs kind of done. Like right. I wasn't like, writing essays and understanding like the intricacies right. of English, like culture or American culture and slang or whatever it is. Like right. I, you know, even the things I had my own. Um, version of like English thing that I thought because in Russia you get all these like you don't even you can't tell the difference between Australian Canadian English <laughs> the uh, East Coast West Coast accent it all it's all just English like right. I, you know I was learning British English for many years in my high school and I didn't even know like I, I kind of realized that there was American English but I never really realized how different they were. Yes. Like they all, they kind of sounded similar to me. But then like once I got to America, I started realizing I'm like, oh, this, they have completely, like what they were teaching me in school is like certain words. I don't, re I don't even remember those words anymore, but yeah, um, yeah, they're slightly different. That's crazy. And you came to college and just Yeah, like, I graduated I want, from college. Wanted to pursue music Portland. though? I did. So I was doing an associate in business and okay. then I kind of started wiling out and DJing and doing stuff and <laughs> school started slowing down. And I was like, I had to take like two more terms or some stuff for the business. And they were like, and I was telling my parents, I was like, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm done with this shit. I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not I'm gonna keep going to college and they were and I was like I'm and I was already DJ and doing the my second uh, my deaf mind the bass music project that I was doing so I was playing 
quite a bit and I was doing production for like uh, rappers on the side and in Portland and I was doing another project called Laser Harp that I've been working on for a long time and it's like a museum art installation project writing for it so I wow I was doing fine and I didn't but my parents were like nah you're not just gonna bounce and not go to school so right. like you're doing music go to school for music so I went to an advisor and they were looked at all my whatever what do they call it I don't even remember anymore the your grades your credits your credits yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah and they were like oh they're like you can graduate right you can get an associate in social science right now and just go do the two-year music program which then can transfer into a university program so I I went and I, I did this two more years doing called it was, it was called professional music. So I got a, like an associate in professional music as well. Wow. Or it was it was like a something I don't know. It's called some professional music degree or something. It's it's not something that I don't I don't know how these systems work. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got it. <laughs> I got the paper. <laughs> fuck it (laughs) but yeah but that school experience was sick like i came in all cocky and stuff because i was like i was like i was like i I make beats i know my shit i was right 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 i was like what are you guys gonna show me like kind of deal and then like i go to music theory class and they're like writing on treble clef (laughs) (laughs) you don't know shit (laughs) and the dude is like just points you out randomly in the class and it's like okay what's the next note you want to write and you're like and you get like five (laughs) seconds and if you don't respond he's like okay you're done for it boom and you're like what you don't know and like that i came in and at first i'd be like what the hell is happening here i was like this is crazy i was like i don't you know when you're like i would i was so not like some kids were there that already like you know some of them were like piano i've played guitar and i know my midi role i knew my midi role maybe by then right. and i knew how to make the drums you know <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. chop up some vocals <laughs> that was extensive extensive that's my it yeah you were not working at the top bro yeah you were fucking writing music yeah was you know what i mean yeah 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 but i mean i barely knew chords and like scales and barely or not writing on paper or for instruments that helped so, you though yeah yeah and so the first term i totally was kind of not paying it for there was a bunch of different classes I was taking. It was like, right. I was able to pick my own kind of program through it. So mm-hmm. you had to like, there were like different categories of like level of class. There were certain ones like I had to take, like I had to take all the music theory. I had to take all the keyboard and harmony, but I was able to pick between like digital recording versus analog recording class. Right. And I went with the analog recording class because I wanted to, mess around with the hardware and i was like why am i gonna go learn digital they're just gonna be showing me how to work in the door right like i, I wouldn't like mess with the real stuff and then right. there was like rhythm classes and then i was able to pick like um history classes there's like history of uh funk history of rock history of uh what else there was like three terms of different history that i had to take of different wow. Uh, I don't know. I mean, just a bunch of different music classes in general. Like there was one where 
It was that was the stupidest class though. <laughs> <laughs> they lock you in the little room. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got it was so old school. I couldn't believe they were making us do it. You're like, was it it was like a tape or a CD you had to pull out, right? And it's like a tiny room. And they got like a little machine and it's basically got one knob. And it's like, it's basically for uh, reading music. But instead of, it's like for you to get good, not at playing chords, but at going with time. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you're reading off the paper. Right. So you're, you're listening to, the, to, to a song in the background. And it's like, and you have to like tap a lot. And there's like, I don't remember what it was. Either some kind of a clip, and you have to like tap along with it. And the, the, the CD player is linked with the little machine and it counts you every time you're off time. <laughs> so it knows like, you know, it's, you got to hit it like 128 times through this particular exercise. But Holy you only can, shit. it's like playing the guitar hero. Like, <laughs> but you're like without the visual aspect of it. Dude, that, <laughs> holy shit, that sounds so difficult. It was the weirdest shit that I was like, by the end of it, I was like starting to get busy too. And it was like one, and those were like the last classes I started to put off. And I was like, okay, I was like, I need to like, and I wouldn't come and like, I wouldn't, you had to do it like throughout the term. And I would like stack them up until the end and have to come in and do all like 20 <laughs> exercises in two days. And I'm just there like pulling my hair out with this tapper. Bam, 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 bam. And the teacher, and you have to like come in. And the teacher sits outside in his office. And every time you're done with your exercise, once you got, you're like, hey, come check my couch. <laughs> and I'm like sitting in this room. My like director of the whole program is sitting outside there just chilling, waiting for you to be done with the stepper. He loved me, but he was so mad at the end of it. He, he gave me like a good pass, like a C or a B. I think I definitely didn't get a B. I got a B on it probably because I wanted to get all A's, I remember. Yeah. The first term I got a D. I failed the theory class. And that dude was like the most hardcore guy. And I was like, first I had beef with him because he was just like, yeah, I was just so loosey-goosey. I like, don't do my homework, you know what right. I mean? I just pull up. Like I said, he would call you out for five seconds, but like he marks it every time, you know what I mean? But I'm like, I'm like fresh off, like that's my first music class in ever. And he's not even going to explain you. He's like, this dude doesn't care. Right. Like, so my first term, I kind of was like, didn't realize and I, I got, I failed. And I was like, I was like, what the hell? I was like, and so the second term I came back and I was like, okay, I got my flexing muscles on. I was like, Psh, let's get at it. So I started getting all A's. That was wow. actually the first time in my life when I was getting all A grades and pretty much most of my classes. And I would retake the one, like I retook that failed one. That was the funniest part because I like, failed the first term. So it was like, what? It was like fall. Then I got an A in the winter term. Then I got an A in the spring term. Whoa. Then I took the summer off of that class. And then I came back in September to retake like music theory one with the next whatever role of college. Right. And he was like, what the hell are you doing back here? And I was like, you failed me. <laughs> you failed me the first term. I was like, he's like, oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> he remembers that. He, he was so funny. I don't remember his name, but he I was, was going to so say, cool. let's give him a shout out. He was so old and 
What's his name? God damn it. I don't remember. My, 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 I've been meeting so many people lately. I don't remember no name. That's okay to forget that guy. You remember everything about him, but his name. That's okay, Art. Yeah, I'm, I remember some names, but not all of them. <laughs> that guy taught you some things about life and music, though, didn't he? Sorry, what's up? I he taught you some things about life and music and, and discipline and just another oh, yeah, layer, he right? was, perspective. Yeah, he was, he was good. Then that class got so crazy by the last, by the end of the term, you, you would have to like, when you, it would be for woodwinds for some reason, or not woodwinds, for the saxophone and the trombone or a trumpet or something. And all of those, you, if for them to read it properly, it's like, for example, let's say I wrote a melody in D sharp in, in that scale. Right. But for the guy on the saxophone to play it in D sharp, I have to rewrite it three semitones up. So it has to be in uh, F sharp. For, so for him to be able to read it, so once he reads the F sharp, he will actually be playing the D sharp because of how these instruments are transposed. So a trumpet, I don't know, I don't remember now exactly how many semitones is each one. Jesus. Like, but different ones of them. Like Gallo and I, we were doing Calabria, and it was funny because that actually came in handy. No way! Yeah, because he played it live, right? <laughs> yeah, because he transposed it to the wrong key. And I kept trying, and I already had, I had like the little layout, and I sent him the little layout, and I was like, re-record this. And he, we were sending things back and forth. And I was like, I was like, I think I... I, I, I know, I mean, I can't figure out, but I think, I was like, what key are your transpones on? Your, what, what, I don't even know what he played on. I think it's a, what is it, a sax or something? Well, no, it's yeah, a saxophone, sax. right. The sax, he plays on the sax. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so all of those instruments have all these things. And in school, he would be like, and the second term, the exam was like to write for him. And then you pick an instrument that you want him to play it on and then it has to be transposed to the right key <laughs> but you have to like tell whatever original key is blah blah oh, and so if you didn't write it properly and he would like be out in front of a class and so it's like there's like 40 50 people in the class and he's like okay your turn and you just come <laughs> up with a piece of paper and I'm like a DJ, you know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. <laughs> that was like a shock for me, the, the fact that I was doing that shit. I'm like writing these treble class. I'm like, I would like write it all on the computer first. Yeah. I would I would write the whole melody. And then I would like select everything, retranspose it. And then I would rewrite it back onto the paper <laughs> because I couldn't. But these motherfuckers in the class, some of them were literally just in their mind. Like you could see it, like I, I, I never reached that level. Like I, I could crack the code, you know what I'm saying? If right. I needed, to. like I was doing it. But some of them have such deep understanding of that stuff. When you're doing it since you're a kid, and yeah. you just, start, and then they would make us like play along and look at that stuff. And I like, got good at it, but now I totally lost it. Like I wouldn't, I would have to spend like half a day to remind myself how to do something like that. Jesus. But yeah, he would be like, he would play, and if your shit was wrong, you just grab your piece of paper, clamp it up, and just throw it in the trash in front of the whole class. And they like, can't play the shit next. Boom. And I, it was so tough. And then the second term, it would be like that, was, or the third term was the hardest because he brought his homie over, and then they would have two. So you would write in one key, right? So I would have to write for two instruments and one key. 
and then each melody I would have transposed to a different instrument that I would select each one of them to play. And he would be like, I can play sax, trombone, and uh, this thing. I don't remember which ones there are, but there's like seven of them, woodwinds <laughs> or whatever. And and my boy can play these things, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so and then you bring out the two pieces of paper for them. And they're together standing, jamming on your shit. It was crazy. I mean... Holy shit, dude, that's intense. Yeah, it, it was a tough program. And it was like in a community college too. And I never expected for it to be like, <clears throat> like, but it was like a very cool experience. And it just made me, I mean, I'm good at figuring shit out, but it just made me humble myself up a little and yeah. just realize how, how broad the spectrum of musicianship is. And it was a lot of good business classes and sure. i even ended up having my previous project name so during that time i was going by my mind actually and my partner was going by name half deaf so mm -hmm. we were going by my mind and half deaf and okay. we were doing like this we were not even getting really booked anywhere that much we were just like we we're doing some one-off after our parties that we would literally, it would be like a spin-off of another event that we would basically go crash with a bunch of flyers yeah. and just give away. Cause we <laughs> knew the awesome. party would be over. And then you'd be like, once this is over, come to our spot down the street. <laughs> and I was actually, I just remembered I was doing that like a long time ago, I was talking to somebody about it. Yeah. Uh, and so we were doing that and I was doing uh, like this deep dubstep stuff and we were pressing the record and we were going by my mind, my mind and half deaf. And mm -hmm. I still have a bunch of those vinyl records that we never ended up selling. But during that same time, I'm going to school and I'm go, I have like these, they had like a, it was like a seminar. It would be like a, uh, every term would be a seminar and I'd bring all these lectures in different people from different uh, aspects of music industry and one of them was this woman rest in peace uh, I don't remember her name once again but I remember she passed away recently she was a uh, um, basically like a business music business advisor yeah she I think she worked like with somebody like Decemberists or somebody like that oh some, yeah some, yeah 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 I'm familiar some bands from Portland that got really popular mm -hmm. and then at the end she gave a bunch of cool information and then of the class she was like I do these like one-on-one -on -one consultations as well um and so we I signed up with my partner to go talk to her and at the same time we were like building our own little studio and we came up with DeafMind, which was my re previous name. Right. And we made all these t-shirts, we made all this branding. <clears throat> and at the same time, all simultaneously, um, this guy, Benny Rocks, uh, who is thanks to him for being the one to put us on, basically discovers us because we have all this crazy gear. We're writing all this music. Mm. You know, we're also, and then EDM.com at that time was um really popular and i was everybody the trap edm trap was the thing and i was oh, yeah. as my mind i was just so butthurt i was like hating that it was I, like every at that time i was that kid that was thought like everything that was the cool stuff i was like that's not cool anymore yeah everything. yeah yeah. so for me trap wasn't edm trap wasn't cool but everybody was doing it and i made a couple songs like as a joke yeah but then they ended up getting picked up by EDM.com and I got like 
on them more streams than I got on all of my music combined in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> and so I come to my partner and I'm like, we're done with this experimental shit. We're doing trap now. I was like, I'm, we got to do trap. I was like, look at these numbers. I was yeah. Like, I was like, look at this party. And there was a Wednesday party that Benny Roxy, Gregorio Sanchez, my friend, yeah. has been running. And he was running the sickest trap night on Wednesdays. And we linked with him. We were tra- helping him with production. And he's a great producer. He actually does sound now for Slender and a bunch of other big acts. And like wow. he's on tour with them. Um, but he was the local promoter, DJ, um, and getting into production. And we were like crazy into production, but had no lag in the game, like right. in the local game. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So he, he finds us and puts us on right away. And I was DJing since as I at that time I already had decks and I've been doing this as a kid since 16 for like seven years just racing right. around this turntable so I knew we knew well how to DJ. Gotcha. And he was basically, he started putting us on and we did this release party for a vinyl record which was an experimental bass record but we were playing a trap party <laughs> and we were wearing all this gear for a studio. We got all these girls dressed up into Death Mind, but we weren't even going by Death Mind. <laughs> we're going, it all made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, young twenties, I feel you. It was the weirdest. It was the weirdest. Like we had, we basically played trap for a release party of an experimental dubstep record, and I brought we brought <laughs> and had people dressed up into gear for our studio. So we then go to meet with this lady that I met at school that I was earlier to talk about. Right. And we're just explaining her all these things. And we're like, you know, well, we actually go by my mind and have death. But but we got the studio thing. And we, we play. We, we usually do this kind of stuff. But lately, like, this guy, she's like, okay, she's like, you guys need a rebrand. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Like, and we, we each have, like, 300 followers maybe on like soundcloud right like nothing even like maybe five or something yeah yeah, yeah. And we're like, we're like, but we've been building our fan bases for so long we're like, <laughs> she's like what are we gonna we're like, what are we gonna do she's like make go by deaf mind it rolls off the tongue much better like and she's like go you guys playing these shows make this music for these people and they kind of just helped us, like, straighten us out. And we were, like, all of a sudden, with boom, we already were getting put on by DM.com, like, some songs. And so once we started Deaf Mind, they started picking up a bunch of songs right away because we already were concentrated on that style and we figured out kind of the game. And then we're playing the weekly... It's, it was a weekly Wednesday trap party, so we were basically uh, resident DJs there. And then the brand came together and it just started picking up so quick. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden, like, yeah, it's just bass music was like, I don't know why I, you were asking me about the bass project. So, yeah. And then I was just yeah. doing bass music. And from there, the guy, he's still a Paul song. He, is, he owns Red Cube in Oregon. Okay. Um, he does all the big shows, like, you know, all Dr. Fresh. Flux Pavilion, you know. Yeah, I feel like Vinny kind of Vinny me. Did you? Yeah, did you, that's. Yeah. yeah, did you met Vinny at this point then? Uh, no, Vinny at that point I have not met yet. That I don't think Vinny 
was I'm like 20. I was maybe at that point I'm like 23. Yeah. Is like he maybe is just turning 21 or something. I think he's a couple years younger than me. Yeah, he's two years uh, younger than us. I'm 29. Or, yeah, so he is. So I'm 30. So he's just like right around. So I don't think he was, he was just like starting to get into the club. Scene. Right. And I was like, and I, as soon as I turned 21, all of that was happening. So like two years into it, I was like playing um, festivals, like lo- like local festivals and like right. opening for like, Tiba Yoki and Flux Pavilion and OK and all, uh, some of them were like even small at the time. Like OK was playing the Wednesday party and being like, you know, we, it was like his some of his first shows in, in Portland. He was like a bass heavy, heavy. He was doing like heavy bass at the time. Dude, he I was remember, like, yeah. he was doing like early, early OK trap. And like Loud Pack and Gladiator and Twelve Planet wow. and Woody and all these guys. And, this is a dope know, party then. Huh? Do, yeah, even Woody was yeah. coming up. So many of well, like so many cool like uh, Mayhem from Atlanta. Um, just I was like the we were like the local duo to put on support for. Uh, big bass acts basically right and we were they would put us on for a lot of dubstep shows because we were play we would play a trap set and it was heavy enough and high energy but it was different mm-hmm. and they would, would put us on for other shows because we could play i mean yeah so thanks to paul he put us on so many great shows as well as uh benny put us on on so many great shows so we were getting a lot of momentum locally um, and then we ended up winning the Discovery Project in 2015 for EDC Las Vegas. Whoa. Rush. So that was like basically that like just got us out of being the locals. Yeah. And then from there, Seattle, um, at that time it was USC. Now USC got shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, they, were, they were the big company that was working with Insomniac and they were doing the festivals at the Gorge and they had like a club. And they would do big shows in college towns in Oregon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, once we started getting on the Insomniac, we got on uh, ADC Vegas bill, we got on Beyond Wonderland bill. Wow. Um, and they picked up on that because we were like in that general Northwest area. Plus, BNW, right, of course. Yeah, our numbers. And we were doing, we were doing the follow to download at the time. So we were getting, we got like 15,000 followers on Facebook in like a year, you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. it was, you know, and at that time, Facebook was, it was like before ads came in. So we were getting high engagement, good like return to ratio. Like yeah. we would sell out 100 capacity show in Portland easy, like pre-sale. Right. It's awesome. Just post it up like ourselves and just do it in a smaller club so it was like it was it was good how did you uh, give that up then i, I that's, huh? why why did you transition i mean you're doing so uh, well with this project that was yeah and it was crazy we were like peaking and um paul was managing us at the time and then we started having some kind of disagreements in the sense of how the direction the project was going but it was actually right before the discovery project happened Mm. So the discovery and then right after we split up, the discovery project happened. So we start, we got into the whole like um, 
you know, the LA music industry scene because, you know, all of a sudden we're backstage at EDC Las Vegas and uh, Tony Marina, who was running, running Bass Rush at the time, was like introducing us to Aptic. Yeah. All the homies that I met in opening up in Oregon, there was their trailers and stuff. Wow. And we're like chilling with them. And I'm like, oh, this is a whole other ball. And I'm like, we were like, it was just like the was the music school when I was like, thought I was, I run shit and I came in and I was like, I don't know. And I, I get this artist area. <laughs> and like that year, the guys above us, we were like the openers, openers at like six o'clock. And the guys above us were like, Kazo back to back jaws back to back uh like great and i and these guys they already had all like fifty thousand followers and i was like i was like oh i, I thought like we were killing it so hard in yeah. oregon and I, and I was like i was like oh the gap i was yeah. like, just for the next slot i was like oh my god i was like you know when when we were like found out we we're gonna play dc i was like I was like, that's it. I, was like, I made, made it. it. The boys are on the way. <laughs> you had so and, far to go. It's 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 yeah, humbling. It was like once I got moment. there, it was just like a shock. I was like, oh, I was like, this is like, I was like I'm about to start playing a whole new game. Uh, this is crazy. And at the same time, we were doing, we were stopped doing free releases and. Um, we started getting into the mindset of the fact that we need to get these bigger label releases, uh, bigger releases that are um, gonna be on bigger labels like Matt Decent, Dim Mac, and um, like what else were the bigger labels at the time? Bygor or something oh, yeah. else. Um, and yeah. we just we weren't putting music out anymore and kind of started our whole streaming thing started to slow down and a couple of connections fell out of touch and then me and my partner at that point were living together in the same house for five years and doing this shit every day Damn. like working in the studio like touring together doing everything like and you know we lived great and still are great friends uh, a lot but, of pressure on the friendship you now when you're you know you're together and um at that point um my partner was going through a transition that i found out about that the, they're transgender and they're going to become a woman and they're going to go through an operation and like change their lifestyle like that wow so and one when i found out about that like on the way to one of our shows and then around, we still were playing and doing stuff and, you know, nothing changed. I was like, I, you know, for when she told me at that time, I was like, I was definitely shook, but I was like, I love you. You're my friend. You know, we're doing our thing. Um, and then around that same year, in about like two, three months after I find out, I got hit by a car. And I almost died. And I got, I still got titanium here in my arm and my leg. I was just crossing the street, going to a supermarket across from my house. And I got hit by a car and woke up in the hospital, like smashed up. Holy like, shit, like, and then basically had surgery and had all the titanium installed. And it, and I, my recovery for how bad of an accident it was, my recovery was 
Like I, I came back quick. They didn't even have me do physical therapy because we were still on the roll at that time. And mm -hmm. even coming off of all of that, we had shows to open like for kids and crates and all of this. So I'm like, I get out of hospital like two weeks later and I'm like on oxycodone and exhausted, like trying to play these shows. Uh, and I think I got hit like what was early November and I was December I was already definitely playing shows like I was definitely jumping around with with the cast on one leg on my birthday holy <laughs> walk around with a limp in the club and uh, I was we started a monthly party also in a, um, in a club where we were playing at the time because our manager Paul he left into a different club and started a bigger club Mm -hmm. And we stayed in a slightly smaller club that was still sick and had a sick sound system. Right. And kept doing this monthly party. So I was doing, besides DJing, and at that time I'm starting to like depend on a little bit of money from doing the monthly events and DJing. And I'm, um, you know, I'm not, I can't tour as much because I'm broken up. And then my partner starts going through, um, his, through the surgery. Yeah. And that whole transition is happening. And I'm just like, and at the same time, I finally was finalizing my immigration papers to mm -hmm. become a citizen. Wow. And my parents were, as soon as I would become a citizen, the, my parents were going to move to America to get their green cards because you can do it, like you can bring your parents when you become a citizen. Right. And they can apply. Yes, I forgot about that. So as soon as I was able to, and all that stuff all happened at the same time. And my parents were, my parents were like random in America. I haven't seen, I, I would see them like once every four or five years. And they were in America when I got hit by a car. So that was actually, it was actually a good thing because they could be with me and see me and not be as worried about what was happening and help out and drive me. Right places and whatnot so much going um, on in a short period of time for you yeah it's crazy and so i'd go through the immigration process like when i was getting passport i literally like still had scars on my face <laughs> i was like coming for coming in for a photo like all ripped up like crazy yeah. but then i realized like and i was kind of that was the only thing that was even during the deaf mind project once all the edcs and beyond wonderlands were happening and i was already in california so much we were already talking about like we gotta go to LA. I already like played some small shows in LA, but I was like, I literally was like, I can be the biggest DJ in Portland, but when I come to LA, nobody cares. Yeah. But once you're the biggest DJ in LA, all of a sudden everybody cares. And that was mm -hmm. even then I thought about it that way. I was like, I gotta go to LA and I gotta become the dopest DJ in LA, so people in the world can because if I'm the dopest DJ in Portland, ain't nobody gonna care about this shit. Yeah. Like and in a bigger spectrum of things, what sure. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And man. so, yeah, I was like, I got an, I got like a little chunk of cash from the insurance and that whole little transition. Um, and I just was like, I'm going to move to LA now. And I just made the move, but I was still doing the monthly party in Portland. So I'd come back to Portland once a month and DJ and I was still doing bass music and I would go, I was like, um producing for like uh whiz and how to say not to sound any wrong or anything I'd, i was doing some side production or help production for other bass artists that i met okay. at the time they were bigger right. than me right and that was cool but i also didn't work out the way i wanted to or for 
either of us in terms of whatever you call it, helping production and getting credited properly or getting paid out properly for the work you do. Uh, so that was still happening and I was doing the party in Portland and I would just go out to the bass shows and I was just like not really, you know, vibing too hard at them. Like I was trying to break in and I'd go to space yet bass shows and it was just hard for me. Like it was like a lot, it was a very competitive scene and everybody was like very, even when you show each other music, people are more judgy about it rather than like, even thinking about house music, I'm always excited to hear my friend's music or other mm -hmm. music because I get to play it out or something. But there, like when you're trying to break in, especially, and I had a, I self-released a big record that got like a million streams on YouTube. It's got, it got, so I was having almost the best year in terms of streams in my yeah. life at that year, but I had no shows. I like only had my monthly party in Portland that I would go and DJ. Wow. And I was just starting, when I was first starting doing those parties that Benny was throwing with the trap and stuff, it was like express yourself era, people going crazy, like the twerking. way the house parties right now, twerking, going dancing, like twerking, even like the whole like pum, 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 the 100 BPM, <laughs> like we were even yeah. known for like doing the 100 BPM stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, all of a sudden it's like 2017. And all my shows are like just like super like uh, experimental people, like the more the Wookiee kind of crowd. And I'm, I was like, and they're not really dancey, they're more like bouncy. And I love that vibe, like the old school dubstep vibe, like me and the boys in the hood, yeah, 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 in the hoods, checking <laughs> out, like feeling the bass and shit. Yeah. Like I love that shit, but I was like, I was like, that, I was like, ah, that's not my. Vibe. I was like, I want to make people dance. I was like, I'm all about dance. I was just remembering how much fun I was having DJing, dance, dancing people. Like, right. and nobody was dancing. Everybody was just head nodding all of a sudden. <laughs> and I was like, and then I was in LA, and well, at the same time, um, my friend and partner, business partner Nico. He is helping, was helping me out running the party, and then we started a spin-off record label off of the party. So it was like a small record label where I would, I would just whoever I would book, I would release their music just free, follow to download, nothing okay. crazy. We wouldn't even distribute it, and we were doing great. Like on SoundCloud, we you know getting just an amount of streams for for locally. We were like doing dope like pretty much not the dopest but like we're as a like little blog slash party it was cool to like be and release with us and a lot of locals were hitting us up and that's how i met Vinny recon because mm. he did a remix for somebody's ep and oh. i was like i heard the remix and i was like i was like who's that oh, this, this remix is better than the fucking original ep i was like <laughs> 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 and then yeah and then he just started like releasing with us a little here like i think he released then a single with me uh and then he released he did another remix that actually ended up on spotify under his old name uh if somebody finds out they can go figure it out we gotta figure it out <laughs> but, don't yeah we? It's, a re it's a remix for so i did this like it was like my last trap ep that i did that I really cared about. And it was like this 120 BPM slow kind of like hood trap, like with more like very kind of 
uh, what was this guy's name? Hero Basti kind of sounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got you. And like more like, um, not very rhythm, but like metallic, metallic sound design. Yeah, well, whatever. Right. Uh, but so Vinny did a remix for that. And then that remix, um, he's uh, Tony, Dr. Fresh started playing out. So then, and then at that time, Tony and Vinny were friends through some other connection through their sororities and Vinny was moving to LA yeah. and I was already in LA and he played, a, he wasn't really, a, he, he was more of a resident of this other party that was like another local party, but we were friendly between each other and we would sometimes like, tr uh, I would book even their whole party for a takeover. So he played my party a couple of times just doing like bass house and like right. and music because my party was all bass music. Right. But yeah, so I knew of him that way. And then when we were in LA, since we're, you know, both from the same city and we're both in the same, we started hanging out more and got to know each other. Like we knew each other, we, you know, we were friendly, but we weren't like, you know, I started, started coming over and we started chilling and actually yeah. figured each other out. And I met Tony because they were living together. Right. And uh, we uh, had the same manager, Donovan, at the same time. At the, at the time, he, Donovan picked me up. So we all were kind of started to tie in together. And Donovan's really good friend with them. And we all uh, were, you know, started kind of mingling more and hanging out and doing stuff. Which And, and then even did a between me and Vinian when we did the bubble up stuff that ended up leading into that, which was another party we did. That was in LA, but that was when I started being like, I stopped, I stopped really trying to break in and to think, I was like, I was like, I just want to do dope shit with my friends. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Like, I was like, we were kicking it. It, it was like me, Cyboy, Freakon. Uh, Freakon was getting booked a bunch locally already, but like, mm -hmm. and then Tony was like, was supporting us. Uh, we had Blake Weber and Matty Ghost, who were doubled there at the time. Um, and um, uh, my girlfriend, Janessa, got involved. Donovan's girlfriend, Sarah, a bunch of our friends. And we were like, we just want to throw a cool party and just hang out with all our friends. Yeah. And not, we don't even care if you anybody is to impress anybody, these people. We just want to do for ourselves, for ourselves to DJ and get a six spot. And yeah. through our friend Domi Divine, we got connection to 1720 and created with the came up with the whole bubble up brand, uh, which was really fun. And we did like a lot of cool stuff. A lot of people were like our whole bigger group of friends were involved. Right. And uh, um, and that's when I first started noticing like the Henry and all the cool industry people like other big DJs and influencers like mm -hmm. just, um, coming over and taking note to us like you know um, everybody that's now been also coming to Blind Tiger you know it's all leading over into that that's amazing but, yeah we were just doing our thing and people took a notice and you know it's been that it's been a blessing just and that's why and the house music you know, I, I loved it since, as I was saying, I was 12 years old listening to that stuff. Yeah. But when I moved to America, I never got to do it like that. But I knew all the OG house stuff and tech house and deep in sub-genres and listening to Loco Dice 
and all these guys before I even moved oh, to America, no, no, no. you know what I mean? So for me, I was like, I was like, I'm at home already. I was like, you ain't got to convince me. You found <laughs> so, home again. So yeah, it's been, you know. And what a now, journey, bro. Yeah, it's been great doing Blind Tiger, doing house music and really pushing the underground sound and really trying to, uh, you know, expose people to new stuff that they might have not heard at the bigger festivals and a lot of even just from thanks to the house cats guys that been bringing me to florida this year yeah i think i've been there five times this year and just getting influenced by how the their headliners there are so different than the headliners for house music on the West Coast. You know, the Martinez brought, I mean, they have them here, here and there, but these, those guys are Because it's LA, right, there. of course. Michael Beebe's, the, all the, like, it, and um, it's fun to be able to have that kind of underground European sound being able to push here in LA because, uh, and that's with no disrespect to Skrillex or Steve Aoki or mala or anybody because they became so big and they're such a huge and it's base house even the tech the even the west coast tech house that is noise and uh some um biscuits i would consider him in that category and even what who there is there's a uh who else would i like Hood politics is its own little kind. I feel like it's like a Fisher branch off. It is, yeah. It's too high energy. Branch off from that moment, but now it's its own thing, and it's it's a lot more authentic. Um, yeah, but it's it's you know it's it's interesting to see that uh, that type of house, the EDM house and the bass house took over so much that a lot of people when I like when I talk to them about like you know og house and disco and like uk garage and uh, all these things they don't even for they're just finding out about it and and or like they don't even know about that kind of stuff for them house music is like electro or like martin garrix you know there's different levels of understand of certain people understanding Know, the the, the, the stereotypical though. like we girl, know. girl that says I like techno and my favorite DJ Steve Aoki, <laughs> and then there's obviously like you can see somebody who is like getting into their DJing and they're going and talking to the to uh, like people that will come up to me and they want to have a conversation because they see me coming up and they see me, but I'm more accessible in a sense because I'm still sure. playing kind of small shows, and they'll pick my brain and be like. You know this and that, and trying to figure out genres, and you know you can see that their understanding is not as deep yet, but they're trying to figure it out. And then there's obviously like the super snobs that are like, if it's not this, it's not that, and this guy doesn't get it, so he's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And there is some snobs like me that get it. I love everybody, and I understand. I understand how it breaks down, but I also understand how sometimes majority, like even within within my sets, that's why I love being part of with politics because whenever I'm, I, I can whenever I'm at its hype, 
like college party or a bottle service party, or I pull out the hood poly edit pack and all my remixes and I just run it. It works. You know what I mean? And you can't go wrong with it. You know what I mean? Sometimes pulling up with the European stuff to some like more American play, but I still get to do the kind of, it has that original house undertone and underline. Yeah. It's got that open format house. I think you and I can both agree, like in order to get sort of the commercial people into the house, right? You got to use those vocals. You mentioned John Summit earlier, right? But if you look at her politics, Spira does a great job of this too. Really kind of giving the commercial crowd, the mainstream crowd, the familiar lyric. And and you've done it. You've done a really good job of it, Ben. I mean, across your label releases, right? Like you're in the house range, but the labels you've released on, you kind of like expand your sound, not to that label, but the label's happy to have you because you do bridge that gap. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard. I'm, I'm realizing I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm trying sometimes I've tried to categorize myself mm-hmm. and even within the binge watch, like when I started the binge watch project, it was definitely, I was like, I was off of the base thing. And I was like, I was like, binge watch is not going to have a single wobble in his fucking track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that tough, though? I bet you miss the wobbles a little bit, don't you? I honestly, I don't yet miss. It's so funny. People <laughs> like, my staff at Blind Tiger is like, they're like, we got to make you the base house police t-shirt and then make you the tickets so I can go. Whenever somebody plays a base house song, I can come and I can write them a ticket. Oh <laughs> my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> You can't invite Tony then. He's probably dropping some bass out. No, Tony is the best in that. He actually, so he's, that, Tony and I, that's why him and I get along so well, because him and I actually have very similar history and how in our, yeah, journey, that's true. Like within the, our timeline, when we both, I guess our timeline really meets around 2007. And we were both got into Roscoe and Dubstep and yep. Electro. And he was like interning for Jim Mack, but I was fresh off the boat. I didn't even know. I just like the music. But like right. musically, him and I, we go, like we have so many songs. We even have this one, what's it called? Uh, I forget the song. Tony, what? We, we used to call it, it's our song. God damn it. <laughs> I like... My you know, memory we'll send it to him. got the best of me right now. He would, he knows which one. I know which one too. We <laughs> were together. He knows, he would actually right now. I've had the, I would drive with Janessa in the middle of nowhere and we're talking about songs and I'm like, remember a certain sample and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. I'm like, this sample would be sick right here. I was like, I don't remember which song it is, but it goes <laughs> like this. And I was like, let's call Tony. Tony would draw no right now. And I'm like, hey, Tony. <laughs> Who made this song? And he's like, oh, oh yeah, that's the 2013 edit of the blah, blah, blah remix of the, <laughs> off of the, this album. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, he's got such, he, his library, yeah, and he's played through so many different genres and he's been, you know, he's actually been very successful in being like, I had to completely rebrand, but he's been, even though he's changed so many different genres, he's been oh, very yeah. able to be fluid kind of diplo style dude he's amazing he's he's he i don't think he ever intended to be one size fits all and i think a lot of artists feel like they have to fall into that but he's he's really tuning in i feel like into some like mid-tempo slow like even his bass house is different 
the videos he shares, right? Like, I mean, I, I've been following Dr. Fresh for a long time. The G House days is when I first discovered him, right? Oh, yeah. I think I'm forgetting the remix that he made, um, but it was this big G House plucker. And I was like, this shit's fucking dope and following him ever since. He might play Skrillex. He might play Tech House. I mean, he's played your guys' tracks. Right, yeah. He's played he has, tons he of free tracks. Well, while we're on the topic of Dr. Fresh, we might as well show you the track that he signed of binge watches. This one's called Happy Thug. Let's go. I saw him at Nocturnal, like he was, I was on the big stage and yeah. like me, the bass house police right here, I, <laughs> I, I wrote him a whole poem and I was like, you have returned my belief into bass music again, the sound design, like the way it was, the, the visuals and this, like, he was sick, it wasn't annoying and it was in the right place in the right time and whenever we had him at the after hours, he always pulls up. We played disco with him together. He pulls out the underground wow. tracks. He, he, that's why he's excited to support us sometimes too. Is like he gets to do what he doesn't get to do on these big, right. bigger events. You know what I mean? Because totally. he comes from he oh, he loves the tech house. I mean, he's got he's always like he's like all right. I gotta give you my folder of tech house from two thousand eleven <laughs> to two thousand fourteen because I have. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a whole collection <laughs> that's fucking awesome actually yeah he's got a giant and he stays up on it you know what i mean and you know he, he he's got he can play the new tracks and he'll play he plays you know and in, in his sets and some he played my tracks and his live streams he plays he plays free cons tracks and his for sets all the time on the yeah. tech house you know all what i mean time. so i wouldn't you know necessarily he's definitely house like definitely in, house. in that sense like you know whether it's bass house or electro house or it's that high energy um you know sound design house or what you know however you would categorize it and it, like it will that. always exist in one or another form uh whether it's blog house or electro house or bass yeah. house or mid-tempo or yeah. you know it's that stompy pop, 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 like you know yeah he he's the man dude he's the fucking man and dude i was gonna i had i was gonna say i want to quickly talk about a few of your releases because we mentioned all these different labels you've released on medium rare the prescription which is now house call mix match deep sink or swim nine tracks on hood poly recent remix on rock bottom records some honorable mentions on your soundcloud releases to the flux pavilion i can't stop that's a staple in my sets by the way binge yeah oh, uh, that shit fucking works bro and your keyless milkshake remix right like dude you 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 have such an incredible discography man and i want to acknowledge you for that you're at twenty thousand monthly listeners on spotify i don't know if you knew that 
but you yeah, are. I, I keep on that. On that. <laughs> yes. I do. You're, you're a stats guy, right? Yeah, you're a fucking teacher in uh, community college. Yeah, I know, I, I know the systems a little bit. It's interesting, you know. It's I, I like the stats, but it's also sometimes I try to. Yeah. It, it's been a blessing and a curse. Sometimes when you chase the numbers too much, it's uh, they don't really correspond. So I've been trying to be way more organic and like well know, it doesn't always result in shows you said that too you had your best year of streaming on your old project and barely got any shows right and exactly yeah it's the complete opposite for me right now you know it's not, I, a matter of fact my previous project right now probably still has more streamers on spotify <laughs> <laughs> don't check <laughs> i swear i got it's the truth. It's the truth, man. But I, I'm such a massive fan of your sound. And we've talked about Freak on a lot. Um, I want to ask, because you've done Like That with Freak on Medium Rare and Lock and Drop and also your Sink or Swim remix. There are some that know of the Freak Watch project that might have seen it on a live stream. You guys definitely have a sound when you collab together. I know you guys know that. And I've asked him about that. I mean, like, what's what's sort of the story there? Like, when you guys get in the studio together, because they're really special tracks every time. And I'm going to show you just how special their collabs are. This one's called Be Your Lover from Freak On and Binge Watch by a sink or swim. <laughs> similar but we're so different at the same time so he's actually a perfect person to collab with because when he gets too lazy and doesn't want to work on it anymore i get i just get excited and the mm. other way around and so like i'm uh he's got his very he's very systematic and the way he's organized is like he has his systems worked out and yeah. how he goes about it and there's certain things he want we're off, you know what I mean? And um, it started with actually him hitting me up for some uh, production advice, but he is a great producer and yeah, his he mixes and masters just the way, he, the way he concentrates and put his time. Like I'm, I'm doing 7 million things at the same time. So I'm like, I could be like working on an artwork on one computer while <laughs> mixing a track down, while still answering somebody's text and putting cooking some on eggs. a guest list for tonight. <laughs> and he will be like on a computer with me in the room. And I'll be like, yo, Vinny, Vinny. Blah blah, just ask him something, and he's he wants to turn around. Like I'm, I literally I'm tapping him on the shoulder. He wants to turn around. Like such a concentrated. And, wow. And then, he, and then like five minutes later, he's like, "What?" And I'm like, well, "Hello, <laughs> you're back." <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, literally, I'll be like doing the most concentrated work, and then like I get distracted super easily. Like, so it, it, it helps us to get something out super quick because I'll be like, and he also like, I'm more like out, um, everything we've done. And if you listen to them, like all it's like, we'll either have like a modular synthesizer or like, uh, some kind of, a like, I'm, I'm like the type of producer that I'll be like, 
I'll start with like a random idea. I'll be like, oh, that's a sick, weird vocal. And we'll spin off of that to start a track. Mm -hmm. But he is like, he'll be like, he'll build the whole foundation, have the drums, built in the bass line, and then start putting things on top. And I'm the way I work is more like, I'll be like, have a kick running in the background and just be fucking around with this modular synth that I borrowed from my friend. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like, oh, these are fucking sick sounds. <laughs> I can record all that shit. And I'm like, yo, freak. I was like, get all this fucking VST shit out of here. We're using the fucking modular line today. You know what I mean? He's like, Art, all this shit is out of tune. Fuck, get it out of here. We can't fucking do that. Well, let me show you. I'm like, let Papa get to the computer. I've been around the block one oh time. Oh my God. <laughs> and then we kind of tiff with each other here and there. And then he's like, no, this sounds like shit. And I'm like, well, fucking go fix it. Make it sound good. And then he's like, you motherfucker. And then he'll go and he'll adjust it, even though he didn't want to use the modular baseline because. It'd be way easier to just use the clean serum patch that we got going. <laughs> but I'm like, we can't take the easy way out. <laughs> I'm like, we got to push the envelope. <laughs> Those are like parents that argue but really love each other. <laughs> yeah, I wish it's like when we came to Florida for the first time, ask Freak or Gallo about this. Gallo's got to fucking... Gallo's got a drum set. Yeah. And guitars and shit at his house. And we're like all trying to collab and shit. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, we ain't doing this simple shit. Look, we got guitar, we got drums, freak is like art. There's a million kick samples. I'm like, no. I was like, Gallo, do you have a microphone? I was like, how are we gonna do this? We're sampling this fucking kick drum. And the fucking car. we actually got like a little cool idea started. I got them on the fucking freak on the fucking guitar and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Holy wow. shit, dude! You're yeah. a composer. <laughs> yeah, I just like I don't know. I'm like I try to make it fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like for so, sure. I like my system. Too. like sometimes like the way I got the MOOC recently and I figured out my own little system and I've been making these little baseline patches and resampling them and stuff um, yeah and then making songs out of them or just um, the recent one the Gallo remix it's that whole baseline and all that stuff it's all moon the new sense that I got no so I'm just, I'm just like recording it and I'm I basically I didn't use any other bass patch or anything besides that like and even those little is also all MOOC. So it's just, I was just doing the drums and then, yeah, I just did the drums and then I took his vocal samples. It does samples sound authentic. It sounds very analog. That's amazing, dude. I was, yeah. was going to compliment you on that. That makes sense now. Thank you. Yeah, it was. I was just basically playing the track when messing with the bass line and doing mm -hmm. it. So I just I like to do shit like that. Sometimes it's yeah. uh, as you say, it's hard. That's why sometimes I. I mean, I feel like that way that my songs are not all perfect, and maybe yeah. sometimes it's not as consistent as I would want it to be. Right. But I mean, it. You know, it. I, it does have a certain people notice the soul, and the, it's like you know what I mean when you do the punk rock shit with distortion. You know, it might not be perfect, but it's got something, something to it. And, and the I imperfections guess, are what make it recognizable that. and memorable, right? Yeah, totally. So that shit is definitely not perfect at all. It's kind of, I mean, 
people compliment me all the time, but I always think my, my shit is I'm like, I'm like, this sucks. Like, I was like, I, when I was finishing this mix down, I was like, I was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm honestly, yeah, I was talking, uh, who, like, who was I talking? I was talking to a couple of people, but they pay for, like, to do like a stem master and a master and i usually don't i try i'm so obsessive compulsive about mm. this stuff but between all the shows that i've been doing lately i'm almost try, i'm almost about to find try and find somebody that i can work i just can't like just send it off to somebody i don't fucking know yeah and not know what the fuck they're doing i gotta be like able to it's an important step in the process with them and have more of a uh, right how would you call it a symbiotic relationship rather than being like oh here's the master i could be like i'm I, I gotta like be able to get back to them and be like hey i know you're using this plugin maybe dial the brightness back on i don't i don't want some my, my mystery sauce on my shit that i have no idea about <laughs> bro i want to get in the studio with you because it sounds like a great time either way <laughs> <laughs> Easy man. Well, no, I'm I'll come I'm coming to Chicago, you know that. That's right. All right, all right. You ready for this? I said earlier, you've released nine tracks on Hood Politics, six different releases, two EPs, one collab, one compilation release, two singles, and three remixes. Okay. I said that kind of quick, but I, I I double checked. All right. I I researched. We've got some fire here, bro. And I'm not gonna ask the question. I want you to answer. What do, I mean, I'm going to ask the question, but what is your favorite hood politics release that you've done? Uh, let me think. I mean, the warehouse show would be, I feel like it's, I mean, at this point it's just becoming an anthem and it wasn't. Yeah, it was, it it was before together. it was out. All right, let's check out this masterpiece. This one's called Warehouse Show by Binge Watch and Cyboy off Hood Politics Records. Wanna go to the warehouse show? Only a couple of people know the code. Get on the decks, spinning a couple of songs. DJ, can you keep it going all night? naturally it wasn't forced um it was fun to make and it's just got it's some kind of, i mean but i it's hard for me you know what i mean like never come home i like so much because the baseline is just so different than the way i wrote it and another one let's check this one out binge watch never come home via hood politics records i'm better come on
Danny V is so good, dude. Sample. Yeah. He's so dope. And Jackham. Jackham is dope. I, mean, I like them all. I can't even... And then even pay attention, the one that has the least streams. That's one. That's the one Freak was like, I wish you put that one as a single and not a B-side. <laughs> no B-sides, dude. Come on. You know what Susan said. No B-sides. I was so much music. I was like, Susan, let's just throw another one in at this point to get something. So true. Right. You, you do, you've done an incredible work with Hood Politics, man. Like, on behalf of the Hood Poly family, like, thank you for releasing fucking hit after hit. My favorite one of yours, actually, is probably the Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger remix off the Daft Punk. VA, I think, I know you whipped that one up really quickly, didn't you? Yeah, I whipped, I mean, I've, I, everything I whipped up that is there, I whipped up probably pretty quickly. Since I've, uh, yeah, it's just been, I mean, I guess not all of them, but which ones did? I don't know. I'm a pretty fast writer. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> 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 took more than two days. That's uh, awesome. But, yeah, but I think that one I definitely did quick because they did it on the quick, on the short timeline. I think it was like a couple of weeks that we were given because oh, yeah. they hit me up for it. When Nobody the, had time. Daft Punk thing happened, the Daft Punk tribute. Um, and uh, yeah, Flux Pavilion I wrote super. I, that one I wrote in two hours. And no I posted shit. it on my story. And I got so many responses that I decided to post it on my timeline. And I was like, if I get a hundred comments, and I never would get that many at that time. Yeah. And I got them right away. And I was just like, okay. And I just finished it and posted it. And I was like, it's, you know, I literally probably didn't even master it. It's, it's probably a limiter on the master channel. <laughs> and everything, everything is just slammed. It's, it's, it's loud. It works, though. It's the right type of loud. But yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, when I write, I mean, I gotta be in the right mindset to be, to write long. Like I got, I'm going to go and I'm going to be writing. It's not going to be like me sitting in front of a computer. It's going to be like a process of like either me getting like a piece of hardware right. or me going and picking up some records to sample or me learning some kind of a new technique that I will build the song around. But I always try and like come do at least one thing that I'm uh, pushing myself on uh, or, you know, I mean, sometimes some songs like the Daft Punk one, it's just so easy for me to write jumpy, theory kind of bass lines. Yeah, totally. I, you know, I didn't, didn't overthink too much there, I guess, but yeah. Hey, whatever works for you, bro. You found yeah, your But passion. in January, I try, I try and push the boundary a little bit, I guess. <laughs> bro, I didn't know you are such a comedian. <laughs> all right. One of my last questions here. For all the people out in on the West Coast, SoCal, and also anybody who wants to fucking get involved, Blind Tiger, tell us about it. How can we, how can we get involved? What is it? It's obviously an underground party brand that you've developed and it's not your first time doing this shit. So that's why it's so well run. I'm, I'm glad to hear that now. Yeah, I mean, it's my whole team, everybody, me, Janessa, uh, you know, Pops, Underground Control, Sideboy, uh, Stephanie, Penny Lane, Lydia, um, 
from every everybody who else is involved probably forgetting somebody but we have at this point an extensive family of people that are they're a part of it and um you know it's sort of like a private members only um after hours gathering where we play cool underground house music and where i get to be the bass police guy bass house <laughs> police guy <laughs> and not let anybody play that kind of stuff and we're keeping it that way there and then we have a couple off brands in terms of a techno night and an experimental bass night and with those we still try and keep authentic and like really bring the culture like the og culture to those same ones whether it's uh doing drum and bass nights or doing more experimental kind of stuff that's not that's not necessarily the big dubstep acts that are right now but more yeah. underground so sort of artists that are expect pushing boundaries and uh okay yeah we are doing that uh we're now at sound nightclub for a season thank you for to space yet uh which is huge and that's not small two. stuff bro I want everybody to know how fucking awesome that is. Cause the Tuesdays of space yacht is an institution. And in fact, they're partnering with you sound nightclub one of the most famous nightclubs in LA, let alone the world. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, my top, top house music nightclub for sure in Los Angeles. Oh, definitely. That's really. for sure. And they're pushing and they, they are similar to what kind of <clears throat> uh, mentality we have with the way we book people and who we book and the sound we try and push. So I'm really happy to be part of that community there. And also being part of the Space Yacht community, that huge shout out to Henry and Rami both for uh, getting us involved and recognizing, um, you know, that we're bringing culture and, you know, you know, I'm still, you can't believe it. And, you know, so happy because I've been going to Space Yacht since the day. You know, I knew about it when I was in Portland and I wanted to get booked and play there as a bass. <laughs> yeah, you man. Know what I mean? And I would have to, in 2017, I would have to RSVP and come before 10 p.m. and I would do it every week. <laughs> now being able to, you know, be there and with these people hanging out and, uh, being able to chat up and network and um, give other people opportunity like you know I we have kids from Icon that come in and are like hey, hey I love coming here networking you know what I mean and I'm, yeah. like, I'm like oh my god I was like what have we kind of started here that's amazing Plus, though like, the bigger events that we've been doing uh, at the warehouse the 1720 warehouse and mm -hmm my birthday event coming up at the new venue at Vermont, which is going to be, I'm really excited about that one. Um, so we got bigger scale ones where we actually, you know, start out and give away a lot of free tickets and try and get as many people in to be able to uh, support and let, you know, let the real deal people who care to experience it because we know how tough it is in the music industry coming up and Amen. being able to go out and afford all these things. Uh, so yeah, I'm really thankful for opportunities with these bigger venues right now. Plus um, the after hours is still going. 
five days a week. So that just never stops. <laughs> Fucking LA, bro. <laughs> Crazy. Dude. Exhausted. Unbelievable. Congratulations to you and shout out to Blind Tiger. What's your guys' Insta tag art? Uh, blindtiger.la. And Blind that's Tiger. our website as well. Blindtiger.la. I live in Chicago, everybody, and I follow them, and it's been incredible uh, for to watch. Instagram, blindtiger underscore LA. And for website, blindtiger.la. Blindtiger underscore LA. Honestly, bro, this whole conversation I've been thinking about, I was like, I got to find some time, maybe early 22, to come out to LA. Yeah, visit binge, everybody. Dude, I you already and, know what time it is. Say less, brother. Come on. I, I know. I, I don't want to be in Chicago in January either. You already know that. It's cold, huh? <laughs> it may not be Russia, bro, but it fucking sucks. <laughs> so I don't like it cold. I love how warm Los Angeles is. Um, you love it? it? Yeah? You don't miss the cold ever? Nah, I don't miss it. Even the Portland was still, it was like, it was a good, good warm up from Russia, but then I got tired <laughs> of the rain. <radio. laughs> I don't want this. Warm up, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my god! When so when's the next release? Can you can you give us that? Uh, anything this year? Actually, I'm I don't have anything lined up. Like I'm I'm actually wanted to take this time off for a month and finish up something and sort some stuff out. And I don't really. Yeah, I'm kind of gonna be besides the plan to launch something for Blind Tiger next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm gonna try and finalize a bunch of songs and send them out like starting next week after I come back from Florida hell yeah man well congratulations to you this has been without a doubt one of my favorite interviews ever because you are such a fucking good storyteller dude like oh, that oh. the story about you going to music school, I was laughing the entire I thought I was watching stand-up comedy I didn't want to interrupt you at all because I was like this is really good <laughs> oh thank you it was funny this fucking guy funny. comes in i'm like this is great dude what are you <laughs> talking about but i love it <laughs> oh man i appreciate it thanks for listening to me blubber for two hours absolutely man everybody go follow binge watch this guy is the next big thing and dude man to man you're the fucking man thank you for everything you do and thank you for taking the time, bro. I can't wait to see what the future holds thank for you. You're the man. I'll see you in Chicago or LA. Whether I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see you soon. Somewhere, yeah, I'll see you soon. See you, all right. Have a good night, bro. Thank, thank you. Bro. you.